And isn't your life lesson then focused on doing what you most care about? Yeah, absolutely. And that's when I've been happiest. I mean, the other the other dimension of that is the people that you work with and the relationships with them and how much you come to love them and vice versa and that part of the experience. But those are those are the main threads of what matters about the whole, you know, the entire journey. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ted Zoller, and you're tuned into On the Heels of Innovation, a podcast powered by the Entrepreneur's Genome Project at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. How is it that some people are successful in pushing their ideas further and faster than the rest of the world? What characteristics do they share? Which skills did they work to hone? And what lessons have they uncovered through each step forward and back that can inspire you to accelerate your own ideas for a business or venture? This podcast will explore the perspectives, insights, and journeys of innovators and entrepreneurs who combine creative thinking and perseverance to go beyond the expected. On the Heels of Innovation is powered by the Entrepreneur's Genome Project, which is a research initiative that I lead with my students in the Entrepreneur's Lab class at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, revealing the DNA that makes up successful entrepreneurs. So we're here on the heels of innovation with a very special uh, UNC alumnus, Alec Gettle. Alec is uh, a serial entrepreneur, a serial founder, serial co-founder. Uh, he was involved in the formation of Nixon Watch and founded uh, two companies, Axiom Law and Zengevity, and uh, is now working on uh, your third uh, venture, maybe your fourth venture. Mm -hmm. uh, so very exciting to be with you. Uh, thanks for joining us today. All right. Thanks. Glad to be here. Are founders a rare breed, people who start companies? And you've started several companies. What is the, what is the um, way you would describe kind of what makes up a founder's background? And are they rare people? Uh -huh. Yeah, well, I think there are different models of founders. Um, I think there's a kind of founder that's very rare, and it's the most famous kind, which is the kind of Steve Jobs, Bill Gates level of genius that kind of distorts the entire space-time continuum around them. And, you know, they're very rare. Um, but they're not the most, they're, they're, you know, you don't see a lot of them. <laughs> I think um, most great founders follow less of a rare genius approach and more of a um, uh, kind of good at everything approach. I think you have to have a lot of versatility and flexibility um, to be good at it. And I think, um, you know, there, I think there are ingredients for successful entrepreneurs and there are ingredients for happy entrepreneurs. And ideally, you want to be both of those things, so you need all the ingredients across both categories. Um, and so successful, I think you have to be, um, I think, energy level, just your really high natural energy level, a natural kind of persuasiveness in terms of understanding people, being a good listener, being able to get people to do what you want them to do. Um, uh, and then I'd say resilience. It, those are just kind of the three, to me, the three biggest things you need to be a successful entrepreneur. Will you unpack resilience for me? Because we hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, when you think about your own experience as an entrepreneur and founder, how is resilience really a core uh, characteristic? Um, there's just failure at every step of the way. Um, brutal, uh, unrelenting, uh, terrifying failure. There's a lot of pain. <laughs> there's there? a lot of it. And, it, it, you know, it's in little places all the way along the trip and then sometimes it's in big places where it really is a meaningful uh, bad turning point in your career I mean you, no matter how successful you are as an entrepreneur you, most of them have those kinds of moments it, it'd be a miracle if you didn't and um, if you uh, feel that uh, pain really sort of um, you know all the way down 
um, how you react to that is a big part of whether you make a good entrepreneur or not. Um, because if uh, if it hurts and what's natural to you and feels good to you is to kind of take a deep breath and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm not giving up. I'm not, I'm not dead yet. Um, then I think that that's really helpful. If you're like, why would I do this again? Which is a very natural, maybe more logical reaction, then it might not be the right career path for you. <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of podcasts, a lot of different media you see out there around entrepreneurship talks about, you know, classic success. Mm. It's almost like we're asking for that success, but entrepreneurship comes uh, with a whole lot of, you know, no, yeah. a lot of failure, a lot of challenges, yeah. you know, that's the way you learn, right? Um, I, th I think the experience of succeeding actually involves, a, it doesn't feel like succeeding most of the time. I mean, the companies that I've been involved with that have done great, even along the way to them doing great, it just feels like a, an unending series of problems that you're solving of things that are going wrong. <laughs> as soon as you succeed, you it, see another problem. Exactly. It's very hard to celebrate because, you know, a year you went in an early stage company from 5 million to 10 million revenue in one year, that's a great year when you look back on it. The experience of that year is like, oh my God, this customer's unhappy and this thing broke and my guy left and... You know, all these things are happening, and you're just kind of going from one problem to another often. So it can be, you know, it can be pretty taxing. Just reflect for a moment. When you think back uh, in your career starting your companies, um, there are moments where you probably surged. You did have success. You did break out. You mm. know, moments that might have been openings, epiphanies, mm. uh, things that took you to the next level. And then there are moments where, you know, maybe you've suffered some pretty big setbacks, yeah. some challenges. Yeah. Um, what did you learn more from? And can you remember some of those moments, those moments of breakout and setback? I mean, I sure can, can remember them. <laughs> Can't even forget them if I wanted to. Um, yeah. Sounds like we need a therapy program yeah, for Absolutely. Entrepreneurs, we right? should make this a therapy hour. I, I love it. Um, I mean, you know, the easiest answer is you learn a lot from both, and I do believe that. Um, I think you learn a lot about who you are from the setbacks. Um, I think that success and good luck can be distorting, and sometimes you don't learn the lessons you should learn from it. Um, and I, I, I see that happen with lots of people. I'm sure it's happened to me, too, where you kind of take the wrong lessons from your success. Right. There's an element of randomness in all this. I mean, the world is way too unpredictable to say that, you know, if you take these actions, you're going to be successful. Yeah. The ball has to bounce your way sometimes. And, um, one, you know, a couple of the lessons I feel like in terms of the successes I've had, number one is you have to celebrate. You have to push yourself to celebrate because you're so focused on all the other problems that are still remaining. And someone else is coming to you and saying, congratulations, this is amazing. And you're thinking, don't say that. You know, this <laughs> thing is, it. you have no idea. This thing's about to go <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> but you've got to stop and celebrate if you don't. And your team needs that. People need that. And it's very easy to forget to do that because you're focused on the next problem. Yeah, um, that, so it occurs to me, you know, we talk a lot about the entrepreneur themselves. But, you know, you're actually leading a team. And the process that the founder has or anyone that's a leader in the team is to do it for the sake of the team. Yeah. How do you balance kind of the differences in what the team needs versus what, you know, you need as maybe the leader? Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of silent pain in running a company that maybe you can't share openly with people you work with. Yeah, well, there's the real spectrum of beliefs about that. I tend to be on the transparency end of that. It's um, better to be transparent. I really believe that, especially as, the, you know, as the economy continues to evolve and people approach entrepreneurship with a more and more um, informed mindset. Right. People get into this. They join a startup because they want to be part of this experience. They want the ups and downs. They right. want the adventure. Right. And, you know, I think historically the theory was don't expose people to the risk. 
because they're gonna they're gonna be working on their resume that afternoon, <laughs> and that may be true for some of them. And you know what? Those folks probably weren't gonna make it because right. that's not the ride. That's not the journey they're on. That might so, not be the group that you want in the startup. Yeah, I think I think establishing real life. transparency and saying and acknowledging it requires a lot of trust from everybody in all directions to be transparent this way. Um, but it's the right investment to make. We're gonna be open with each other, and you know, I've been in a recent experience where it wasn't looking good. You know, we had a small team, very tight. And we were open right to the goal, you know, about this is what we're working on. If this comes together, that's great. If it doesn't, you know, we've got real problems. And not a single person even thought about leaving because they loved each other. And it was uh, like, this is what there is, what we're here for. And uh, it's a much better way to go through life anyway. You were talking a little bit about different ways you can be an entrepreneur. And one thing I've observed in watching how you build companies is mm. you build culture. Mm. You know, the people around you are tight because you've built a, a, a common bond, a kind mm. of interdependence. You know, you are there as a common group solving a problem or working together. Yeah. Um, um, is, that, is that common, I think, in entrepreneurship? Do you see that most successful leaders build culture, build team? Um, there is an incredible range, uh, surprisingly to me, because I think it's, you know, it's so obvious at this point how important culture is. Um, but I think you also have a lot of successful businesses that have grown super fast because they just, they just landed on a product market fit that just nobody could stop. And they didn't have to learn the hard lessons about how do you build a team, how do you select people, how do you get the chemistry to work, how do you communicate transparently. And, you know, those companies get big and you see cultures that are really, really destructive. And, you know, I mean, we could name a few of them right here. Right, right. right. I mean, they're famous. Right. And there are lots of those at all levels. Um, and at the same time, I think um, there is a really, um, a movement of really sophisticated entrepreneurs who have kind of ingested those lessons about culture and are really focused on it, are really kind of values-driven um, and are sort of reaping the benefits of that. And there's much better long-term businesses. Yeah, so, so that's another uh, hallmark of your time as an entrepreneur is really being uh, conscious of the social good. Mm. Um, are we updating what we think of as capitalism right now in what we're doing in entrepreneurship? Is doing well and doing good fused? I mean, I think so much more than it was when I started my career. Um, and I think, and you know, this is better than anybody. You talk to kids who are getting into entrepreneurship today and you ask them what they're looking for, and it's always a combination of those two things, almost every case. That's what they want. That's what they care about. And um, I, that would not have been true when I was starting, you know, 25 years ago. So I, I really do think that's changing. And, and they're not kidding. I mean, there's a... There's they're a, not kidding. They're not kidding. There's a, there's, an, <laughs> there's a startup, a Carolina grad who I got involved with and invested in this company. And um, the core business was struggling a little bit, but it, it was mission-driven and really cool. Um, and then he had a different side of it that was much more commercial and had a ton of potential. It was growing really fast. And it's a very rare person who would look at that and say, I know, but that's just not the journey I'm on. And that's what this guy said. He's like, that's just not, I'm not doing that. That's not what I care about. And he's sort of hiving that part of the business off and giving it to someone else. Oh, wow. And he's going to stick with the thing that, that really, you know, motivates him from a doing good perspective. And I really respect him. That's something that I think uh, we're all trying to understand more. And, you know, it, it occurs to me that as I'm engaging with, uh, a, you know, a wider spectrum of people that, you know, people can be brought into entrepreneurship. And it fr brings me to the question, are entrepreneurs born or are they made? Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people say, you know, this is a genetic factor or a way you think, or maybe it's a way you, you know, ultimately conceive problems. But um, what do you think about that question? Are they born or are they made? 
Or I think there are things you have to be born with. Um, like what? And, well, I to go back to kind of what we talked about earlier. I think having a super high energy level, um, being kind of naturally persuasive and having a good kind of way with people because you're basically selling in every direction at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, those are hard things to learn. I mean, that energy level thing is hard to learn. I mean, you kind of, that has to be uh, Is it enthusiasm, inherent. optimism, uh, seeing the better side? I, I, don't, I don't like to narrow it too much, and that's certainly right. the way I think about it in mm-hmm. my case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure every entrepreneur has to be that way. I mean, it, uh, being a you know, magnetic person mm-hmm. doesn't actually tend to conform to those kinds of you know, simple things. I mean, we've all seen kind of slightly negative cynical people who just we just love and they could convince you to do stuff so i wouldn't i wouldn't add that to the list necessarily but the the the, the other piece is um you know i feel like there's a spectrum that we also discover within ourselves about contentment versus experience in terms of what we really want out of life and and it can't be aspirational what i wish i wanted it's what i really want <laughs> and you really need to get underneath and find out where you fall in that spectrum because this is not a contentment career this is an experience career and the experiences are amazing and they're intense and they're good and they're bad. Um, and, but it, it ain't about contentment. And I think um, that's somewhat inherent too. I think you're kind of born somewhere on that spectrum. So that's really fascinating. You know, when you look at the entrepreneurial journey, is it easy or is it hard? You know, a lot of people think that this is a heroic journey, but don't realize how much challenge there is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe the entrepreneurial journey? From your own experience, I mean, I I do think it's hard. It's a little self-serving to say that, <laughs> but um, you know, I think the the sort of heroic iconography you're talking about tends to be about success. But right. the experience is not about success. The experience is about the journey. <laughs> you know, that's the which may or which may, may not lead to success. And I know plenty of entrepreneurs who are every bit as good as I am or better, and just haven't gotten lucky. And that's it's been pretty hard. Um, do you think it's luck? Do you think entrepreneurs make their own luck? I I think there's luck they can't make. That gotcha. I do think that there are external, Things that non-controllable, and, and that's the other thing, the lesson for me about the, the good times is it, if you acknowledge, if you find a way to really believe, like, hey, we caught some breaks here, it really helps when things go wrong, that you didn't take credit for everything that went right when things were good, because I, I, I really believe it's true. I mean, you can't, you can't control anything. If you internalize a business case, I guess it could lead to... Um, a pretty uh, regressive kind of way of thinking about the world, you know. It, it is it is a business case, right? Yeah. And either the business will work or not. Yeah, you it put, has nothing to do you with you. Certainly, can do a lot of things to put yourself in the best position. Right. Um, but in spite of that, I've seen amazing entrepreneurs put themselves in a perfect position and just, you know, oh, Facebook decided to do something else and their whole business evaporated. You know, I mean, that can happen. So, you know, we spend a lot of time here at Carolina trying to develop the talent that's here. And uh, I'm curious, just from your own experience, you know, really as a self-taught entreprenur, mm. you started, you know, when uh, UNC really didn't have entrepreneurship on its radar sc- uh, uh, scope. My sense is that um, we're really intent in trying to upskill, support the next generation of entrepreneurs. If you could build the ideal program to support the next generation of entrepreneurs, what would it look like? And would it have an association with a higher education institution or would it be more like an apprenticeship or done something on the job or uh, some type of uh, intervention? It's a hard question. It is. And I do think, unfortunately, I think it's a combination is ideal. I mean, I think apprenticeship and being in the real world and solving problems for real companies is 
A, that's how you get good ideas, for one thing, is being exposed to the real economy. Right. Um, and I think you need that, you need that lear- education in how do I communicate in this kind of setting, and I think that's really helpful. I also think there's a role for the, uh, on the academic side. And, um, you know, the, the hard thing that's hard to recreate in either setting is the kind of, um, the, the random series of problems that pop up <laughs> on the entrepreneurial journey. It's very hard to recreate that uh, chaotic randomness, um, which is a big part of the experience. It's like, how do I prioritize even solving these problems that are in completely different domains? And I can't do everything at once. Those are a lot of the hard things that are very hard to, to recreate in an academic or, you know, internship setting. If there's a way, that would be a fun thing to try to tackle. Like so, a game, almost like a, almost like a gamified version of this experience where it's like, okay, great, you worked on your business plan, which we're all, which we're all doing in these, you know, sort of educational settings. Okay, let's play it out. Let's do a game, you know, where, okay, now this happened, now this happened, now what are you going to do? Right. You can't do that because all, of this. You all know, scenarios just, with ABs, all, all contingencies. Yeah. Very hard to design, but I think, you know, it, it might give people a sense for what they're getting into. Let me put some words in your mouth that mm. might not be right, but, you know, if we were to look at something like this, would it be, uh, we outline kind of how do you think about complexity and how things might unfold, contingency and adaptability, uh, how do you look at a dynamic system as it unfolds and design a solution that will work at least for that moment mm. uh, when the system is going to accept it? Is that a way to think about it? Yes, and I think it'd be really hard to do. Yeah, because it's really it's hard to even define it in the real world. But a lot of I think the hardest choices have to do with the balance between flexibility and focus. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could read business books that are very compelling that are telling you exactly the opposite things. Like, be a hedgehog, know your thing, stick to that, be the best in the world at it. Versus all the stuff about pivoting and, but those play out on a sort of micro level every single day. You know. Do I want to pursue this revenue or don't I? It's not exactly right on target with what I'm building, you know, in your hiring and who you're raising money from. They're just, you know, these kinds of trade-offs and they're all related to each other too. So it's, you know, it's hard to recreate, but it'd be fun to try. Think back uh, to that 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old Alec Gettle on Carolina's campus. Mm. If you knew then what you know now, what would you tell that young Alec Gettle? Um, I, I got lucky with my, this nonprofit experience I had at the Y, which was really great. It was exactly this kind of randomness training that, that I'm describing. The campus Y. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I was building something with some friends. It was very much like a startup. Uh, and had a, so that was great. Um, so that stretched you first. Definitely. In thinking through how do you build a startup? Yeah, absolutely. With, from and nothing. With no resources. None of, and none. how do you start to think about leadership among peers and, you know, a lot of hard things that become relevant later. Um, but anyway, in terms of what I would have told myself then, first of all, um, I wish I had recognized right away that that's what I wanted to do, that this was like nothing that has ever lit me up before or since, like that kind of experience. But I think at that point I didn't know, I, it was hard to recognize that I had found the thing that I should be doing. Yeah. And so I went and spent four or five years doing other stuff, which I, you know, was kind of a waste of time. I wish I could have those years back. And, and frankly, that was stuff that was in the classroom. You didn't learn anything uh, in that way in the classroom. You learned it from the experience of building a program at the Y initially. Yeah. And it showed you what you wanted to be. I think so. But then I went into policy for a while and I worked in the government. I tried, you know, because I was interested in these issues. Right. I thought that was a good way to, you know, I kind of went right at them. Yeah. And then I was like, this is, it took me a while to even realize I wasn't happy when I was there. Right. You know? Right. So unpacking that a little bit, you actually then found the entrepreneurial model 
trying to solve problems that yes. you cared about. Yeah. And I think at the time, I wasn't working on the project of learning what it was that I was passionate about and what lit me up. Because nobody told me I was supposed to be doing that, you know? And um, I, I think if I'd had that orientation, it, it would have been easier to recognize, like, this is it for me. I should be, I got to keep doing this. And hasn't your life lesson been focused on doing what you most care about? Yeah, absolutely. And that's when I've been happiest. I mean, the other, the other dimension of that is the people that you work with and the relationships with them and how much you come to love them and vice versa and that part of the experience. But those are, those are the main threads of what matters about the whole thing. You know the entire journey. Yeah. Have you ever once looked for a job? I don't think I've ever had a resume. I guess I made one first year in business school, but uh, not, no, never. So it's a journey. It's really driven by your own passion and the things that you really want to influence. And as you would add, other people that matter along that journey. Yeah. For me, a big part of figuring out what my next startup is going to be is the is finding the right partner or group of people. To do it with. I mean, that's that defines the experience for you. So you got to get that right. Boy, that's a whole nother model because almost all of your ventures have been done with a co-founder. They have all of them, and I wouldn't. Uh, I'm not wouldn't the kind of guy who'd like to do it alone. It's it doesn't work it, for you. Would not work for me. Well, that's a model that's most exciting. Alec, thank you so much for joining us on the Heels of Innovation and to share your experience. It's been really inspirational. Great, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Ted.